to our pericope, our portion, our passage, Philippians 4, 1 through 9, where we're going to continue where we left off last week in discussing the love, joy, and peace of Christ likeness. The love, joy, and peace of Christ likeness. You know that when you're like Christ, you experience love, joy, and peace in a way that you will never experience it if you didn't know him and love him. <clears throat> Let us begin by a reading of it. I will read, and if you would please uh, silently follow along. <clears throat> Philippians 4, 1 through 9. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Yodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, with other fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. God bless his word. Shall we pray? Father, bless your word to our understanding, to Lord, the enlargement of our hearts with deep affection and fervent and pure love and also our will set them free that we may indeed desire after and not only desire after but seek after such likeness as the world has never seen that when people will see us they will know that we have been with Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Love, joy, and peace. This book, as I've said last time, is dedicated to the pursuit of Christ's likeness in a way that probably no other book in the New Testament is. As Paul said in chapter 3, verse 12, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, like Christ. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of or by Christ Jesus. 14, I press toward the mark of the prize for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Apprehend is another word for lay hold of, like the policeman would lay hold of the criminal right, right after running him down. But, but, but not in the same way. It is, 
It is God apprehending his people who, yes, were criminals according to his law, but he's apprehending them to impart to them eternal life. It's like in another place in Hebrews 6, 18 and 19, where the writer of the Hebrews says in Hebrews 6, 18 and 19, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, reading on, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The anchor in person is the one who is our blessed hope, Jesus Christ. The love that we are talking about here, which we are to lay hold of, that we talked about last time, that I'll review, is Jesus Christ. He is the epitome of love. He is love incarnate. God is love. Thus, Jesus is love. But we lay hold of his love by laying hold of those who are loved by him. Those that are described by the Apostle Paul in our passage as my brethren, dearly beloved and long for. My dearly beloved. Dearly beloved in Christ. But by his blood. In another place in 1 John 4, 19 through 21, I'll let you turn there, I'm just going to read from my notes. It says that we love him because he first loved us. If any man say, I love God and hate his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have from him that he who loveth God love his brother also. It's a farce if you say you love God and hate your brother or don't love your brother. How can you say you love one you cannot see when you can't love the one who you can see? In this veil of tears, our unity and love are being put to the test. Here it is being put to the test by two dear ladies in Christ who are elderly ladies, meaning mature in the faith, Yodius and Syntyche, who are not of the same mind in the Lord. They were for many years, but now they're not. And so Paul applies the word of God to them. Paul tells Others to apply the word of God to them. Third parties. Sometimes you need third parties when you can't do it yourselves. When the Holy Spirit is not anymore enough to be your third party. And so that's what he entreated one called Yoke Fellow. 
True Yoke Fellow. That could have been his name. But better helper than, than, than companion or True Yoke Fellow. Couldn't ask for a better helper. You heard of keep the faith. How about keep the love? Like Jude would put it, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto life eternal. It takes effort. It takes effort. It takes loving even the unlovable and the unlovely. And ultimately, are we not all that at some time in our lives? And so we must keep the love. But next, moving on, we show Christ's likeness by laying hold of his joy. His joy. That's what it says in Philippians 4, 4. <clears throat> rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Uh, my old Bible would, would use the word always, and so that's how I memorize it, always. But, but, but this King James Version has always. I don't know about yours. <laughs> but the point, is, the point is clear, that we are always to rejoice in the Lord. And indeed, if he is our joy, our joy in his being our Lord, we would, we do, gladly, thankfully. Or the joy of knowing that God loves me, that God loves me enough to save me from my sins. As Zephaniah put it in the Old Testament, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy because you are the trophy of his grace. You're the fruit of his love and is saving you from your sins. He will rest in his love, his love for you. He will joy over thee with singing. Does that sound like God loves you? I, I would say so, like John 3.16, which, by the way, is inclusive of the people of God, of those who have called upon Jesus Christ, who have believed on Jesus Christ, and not the whole world, okay? The joy of God's salvation, as David put it in Psalm 35, 9. And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. End of discussion. It's enough that Jesus died for me. It's enough that I'm his. And his banner over me is love. The joy of Christ's cleansing power and forgiveness such as found in John 15, 2 and 3. John chapter 15, 2 and 3. Every branch in me, those are believers. Those are you and me if we are believers in Christ. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Christ is not content with the status quo. If you are, then you're not exhibiting Christ's likeness as you need to. And that's why the message. 
He says, you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Are you applying it like you would water and soap to your soul? In another place in Psalm 51.8, he says that as David, upon his being broken, upon, his, uh, upon the, 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 the fruitless branches of, on his branch being pruned, cries out, Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. That's how hard his love is. That's how tough his love is. That he would chasten you betimes. That he would do that because he loves you. Shows indeed the love of our Heavenly Father. Or as he says in another place in Psalm 30, For his anger endureth but a moment in his favorous life. Weeping may endure for a night. You may be crying your eyes out all night long through this trial that you're going through. But keep in mind that if you are his that joy comes in the morning. So hang in there. The joy of simply trusting Jesus. In Nehemiah, it speaks about how the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you don't have joy in what you do, if you don't have joy in living the Christian life, then get out of the Christian life. Stop being a Christian, because that's not for you. But if he is your joy, if believing in him is your joy, if the joy of the Lord is your strength, then this is for you. Like that hymn, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus and to take him at his word, just to know, just to rest, I should say, upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I prove him over and over, Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. You want more of him. You can't have enough of him. You can't, enough, you can't live for him enough. You want to be able to live a long life so that you could spend every day of your life serving Jesus. That's the Christian life, or that should be, anyway. But that's why we need to have this refresh, Right? The joy of simply obeying Christ. Back in John 15 again, this, is a, this John 15 is a powerful passage to meditate upon in your personal walk with Christ. It says in verse 11, These things have I spoken unto you that my joy may, might remain in you and that your joy might be full. You see, God is not just content with having fruit come from you, but he wants that you have this fullness of joy. This fullness of joy that is from Him. Because it's ultimately from that source. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. You see the connection between love and joy. Because as your love grows, so does your joy. So does the joy of knowing Him. Such as the joy as you know His people as you know them and see Christ in them. It just draws you to them. It's like a magnet, like two magnets, right? And it's wonderful. Praise God. So our joy is Jesus' joy that abides in our souls. The joy of worship. 
In Psalm 122.1, I love this psalm. We put it to music. I won't sing it now as much as I'm biting at the bit. <laughs> but let's read it. In fact, let's read the whole psalm, shall we? I was glad... I'll wait till you get there so we can read it together. Like I said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. Whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say, Peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. He starts off, I was glad. I was glad when they told me, It's time to go to church. You know, our, I remember our children growing up, when it was time to go to church, and, and I would signal, It's time to get ready to go to church. Whoa, you know, it's like the house is moving. <laughs> and, and we were on time. None of this Filipino time, okay? <laughs> we left that back in the Philippines. <laughs> By the way, I married a wife who, was, who must have been bo secretly born in America because she's on American. She was on American time before I met her. <laughs> that tells you anything about her joy. The joy of Christian fellowship in Psalm 42.4, if you... Pull back to it. Psalm 42.4 speaks about the joy of fellowship. When I remember these things, he's recalling, uh, he's recalling when he was going through that pilgrimage as they would do annually uh, on those special holy days uh, to uh, Jerusalem. As he recalls that, he, he says, I pour, he says, I pour out my soul in me. Doesn't sound like he's happy. Doesn't sound like he's glad, does he? Does he? For, in recalling those days, for, I've go, for I had gone with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept holy day. Something happened to deprive him of that. But you know, sometimes we need to be deprived of that. Like people who move away and don't have a church to go to for a while. And hopefully just for a while. Or those who go on vacation are looking for a church on the Lord's Day. And, just, and not just simply basking upon the beach of uh, Cancun. Okay? <laughs> and, and discover that in some small church of God's people in the village and what a joy that is like I've had the privilege of encountering and looking for the house of God <clears throat> Paul's joy as we learned also back in our passage was the brethren themselves just being with God's people oh I tell you you know what it's only when you're with away from them and then you catch up with them that it just seems like, wow, where have you been? I, I miss you. I miss you more than my own family. 
You ever felt that way? Like he said in verse 1, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy. And that is that they were his joy. They were the source of his joy. Not just he had joy in seeing them, but they themselves were his joy. You ever think of people like that? Who are very special to you. Well, ultimately, those are all of God's people, not just some. And what a blessing that is when you reach that point in your Christian life where you're, you're not seeing the, the person anymore by himself, but you're seeing him with Christ in him, the hope of glory. As I said earlier, it's like those that saw the first disciples who were fishermen and tax collectors and uh, blue-collar workers who were now preaching the word of God, to which the people around upon their hearing, not just Christ preaching before he had gone to heaven, but them preaching in this place. And then they're admiring them, saying that they had been with Jesus. And indeed, that's how we are to regard the people of God. The joy of leading a soul to Christ. In another psalm, where the psalms are sure full of good references, are they not, to joy? And rightly so. After all, the psalms are are the songs of praise to our God. The word hallelujah to Christ. In Psalm 126. I'm sorry, I have to break this Bible in. So... <laughs> Five, they that sow in tears shall reap in what? Joy. Maybe at first it's in tears because you're weeping over lost souls that are marching onto the precipice of eternal wrath in the lake of fire. And there's nothing to stop them. You have no power in yourself to stop them. There's nothing you can say or do to stop them. It takes the spirit of the living God to stop them. But then the Lord does do a work of grace and does stop them in the tracks and turns them around so that they're no longer going to that precipice, no longer going to that, that, that uh, bridge that has collapsed, no longer driving headlong into the canyon below. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bring his sheaves with him. But you will never harvest until you actually put the seed into the crop. You will never harvest until you actually go out there. For the labors are few. For the labors are few. Blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. That is what we long for, we hope for. And that people will count the gospel as music to their ears and to their souls. The joy of being used in the lives of others is another one. Proverbs 15, 23. Does that sound familiar from a previous memory verse? Proverbs 15, 23. Let us look it up. We're looking at the tidbits of joy that are strewn throughout the pages of Holy Writ. 
A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. Indeed, indeed. It's like that other scripture, how, uh, how the word, the, the, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. Sometimes the word needs to wound if it is to heal, as it has a medicinal purpose. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. But when it does, oh, what a healing it performs, like another proverb, 27.9 says. And this one you do, you will recall. Proverbs 27.9. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart, so doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. I'll tell you what, when you give hearty counsel, and that's just not exuberant counsel, but heart to heart. Heart to heart. Where you're talking about some serious stuff, because sometimes you need to. Sometimes, if you love that person, you're going to give them truth. It's going to be truth talk. It's going to be telling them what they need to hear out of love for their souls. Although it will hurt. It may even damage your, your relationship. It may, may even ruin it. But you know what? You're willing to take that risk because you love that soul unto death. And so, the joy of being used in the lives of others. The joy that results from others helping you to grow in 2 Corinthians 1.24. 2 Corinthians 1.24. Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy. For by faith you stand. This is joy that results from others helping you to grow. In this case, the Apostle Paul and those that are with him that brought the word the first time to these people, like those in the city of Corinth, were helping their joy. Not having dominion over their faith, which is often a propensity of leadership, especially worldly type of leaders, right? Not the leaders of God. Not the under-shepherds of the great shepherd of the sheep, Jesus Christ. Their task is another kind, and that is to be a helper of the joy of others, that they may have the joy of the Lord in their lives, and that that joy may be full. The joy of having godly children, Proverbs 23, 24. I didn't know this would be more of a Bible study, but this is okay. Proverbs 23, 24. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice. Notice that, the father of the righteous, meaning that the children are righteous. They are righteous in Christ. They're living a life of obedience to the word of God. And he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Oh, what a joy it is when that child of yours is wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus, like what was said by, Timoth by Paul of his son in the faith, Timothy. What a joy that is when they take hold of that. 
And when they run with that, and when they live for that, and not for the silver and gold of this world, which are passing. Do you believe that? Is that your goal? Is that your goal as a father? Is that, is that your goal as a mother? If it is, God will bless his covenant promise. His covenant promise is that if you raise them in the fear and nurture of the Lord, that they will be the Lord's. The enjoyment of the simple pleasures of life in Ecclesiastes 2 24. Ecclesiastes 2, 24. There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. See, God intends us to enjoy what we have in this life. And when we don't, because we're not appreciating them and not appreciating him who gave them then we need to have a wake up call because according to this there is nothing better than that we do that that we experience that that we enjoy that because in our doing that we are enjoying God like it says in the Westminster Shorter Catechism numero uno what is the chief end of man chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. It's not complete if you enjoy him without glorifying him, but neither is it complete if you only glorify him but not enjoy him. And I'm speaking to <laughs> some of you uh, out there uh, who are reformed, who are not enjoying your life here on earth because the Lord is Lord over all, body and soul. And as Heidelberg Catechism question one tells us, and that's another one of those special verses, uh, special sayings, memorable, landmark type sayings. What is your only comfort in life and death? That I, with body and soul, both in life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who with his precious blood hath fully satisfied for all my sins and redeemed me from all the power of the devil and so preserves me that not a hair can fall from my head without my heavenly Father. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, I also, and I just forgot the rest of it. <laughs> so, that we all look it up and we have it, believe it or not, at least, ooh, not in this one, but in another one. Uh, therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he assures me of eternal life and makes me hardly willing and ready from now on to live unto him. <laughs> I still have it in me, but that by the grace of God. First Corinthians 10, 31, whether therefore we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, do all. And then lastly, the joy of God's presence in your life. Psalm 1611. Psalm 1611. This is speaking prophetically of the Lord Jesus Christ being restored unto his glory. 
Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Because he arrived there, so will we arrive there. But that begins now. Eternal life starts today. Not when we die, as some religions would have you to believe. The word of God is totally against any view of eternal life being future or eternal only, but present, even as the Lord's forgiveness is now and forever. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. C.S. Lewis said, Happiness depends on happenings. But joy comes straight from God. I love that. Joy comes from the Lord. And so in application, when the joy of the Lord is your strength, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, says Philippians 4.13. For example, you can do what Paul exhorts in the very next verse after the one we've been considering over the last few minutes, and that is Philippians 4, verse 5. I wonder if you understand Philippians 4, verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Let your moderation, that is your gentleness, your patience, your long-suffering, your joy, be known unto all men, for the Lord is at hand. You can exhibit humility with graciousness toward others, even the proud and the obstinate and the recalcitrant in spirit. You, be, you can be content with what you have and still be generous to other people and know that God will provide for all. You can show mercy or leniency to those uh, who have faults against you who have failed you because you know the joy of the Lord. And God will give you the wherewithal, the strength to submit to injustice, to persecution, to oppression without retaliation as the disciples did in days of old as we reflected upon earlier. And why? <laughs> Because God was that way with you and with me. And that is why. Because as Paul would put it, God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We weren't good people. We were bad people. We were evil people. We were sinners. Sinners has a negative connotation. Although we are sinners still. Sinners is reflecting the state of mind and the mindset and the way of life that we had before when we were haters of God and not lovers of God. God loved us. Jesus died for us. And not, again, because we were the kind of people that you would normally want to do that for, but the very opposite. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we will be saved 
from wrath through him, from wrath. God is angry with the wicked every day. Can you imagine that? The wrath of God abides upon the unbeliever right now, and that is an impetus for us to want to go out there to reach them for the gospel. But that was us before he saved us from his wrath, his own wrath. And now he is saving us from his own wrath, or he has saved us from his own wrath. And made us right in his sight through the blood of his son. God, God sees the blood and he is pacified. God sees the blood and his heart opens wide open to receiving us unto himself and making us his children. This is, this is love as the world has never seen before. God is so good. Let's not forget. He used the words of Isaiah. And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will say, O Lord, let me start over. I'll read, I'll quote it. And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust him and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. That means to say that when you become God's child, when he becomes your God, and you become his people, he's no longer angry with you. He can't be. Because that anger is turned away forever by the cross and by the empty tomb of our Lord Jesus Christ. And why this is important not to forget how good God is is because the Lord is at hand. He's right here at the door of our hearts like it says in Revelation. The, door, the Lord is standing at the door and knocking. Behold. And if any man hear his voice and open the door, he will come in and sup with them and, 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 and they with him. And also, he's at the door and that one day he will come back and meet you and I face to face. So get ready. And in the meantime, let your moderation be known unto all men, i.e. your gentleness, because according to David, he says the Lord's gentleness is what made him great. And it is Christ's gentleness in how he treats his people as his precious flock that is the model and the template for how we are to be. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this meditation upon the joy of the Lord. There is so much in your word that commends us to praise you, even as Lord uh, we do in song, even as Lord we do as the angels do in glory, along with the saints that are there ahead of us. And so, oh Lord, thank you. Thank you for your joy that you put in us and that Lord, that joy that sustains us in this walk of faith and labor of love that we do in your name. We ask this in Jesus' name.